Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a Sunday evening, late on a Sunday evening after the Cubs drop the finale with the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball, which means they lose three of four in L.A. after losing two of three in Colorado. And Brendan, I I would say that this road trip went pretty much exactly as we cautioned it might. Uh, So so hopefully you were with us and kind of tempering those expectations. Uh, Obviously, some winnable games for the Cubs uh, that ultimately they they don't pull off. So that's, you know, always a little frustrating. Uh, But they end this week pretty much where they started, a game back of the Brewers, which, you know, when you're playing three of four, Brendan, in L.A., while the Brewers get the San Francisco Giants, I think all things considered, it's not the worst place to end up. The the entire four game series, they were competitive mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and they put up good at bats. The clutch hits were not unfortunately there, but overall, there's still some positives to take away from it. And yeah. at, at the end of the day, it was a positive, competitive series, which is kind of what you want to ask for given a June series. Yeah, absolutely. And and like just right out of the gate, I, I do want like the th- there's a few focuses for me. We're going to run through these four games really quickly, uh, you know, just to, to set the stage in a second here. We will certainly be talking a good bit about you, Darvish, who was fantastic on yeah, Saturday evening, yeah. the best start of his Cubs career and just an all around awesome, awesome outing for you, Darvish. Uh he doesn't get the win. The Cubs get the win. So he doesn't give the full middle finger that we asked for to these uh, Dodger fans, but but close. And, and reading the replies about Darvish, they were very peeved that he pitched so well on that mound. So it, it, was, it was really good all around. But just the thing I want to focus on, Brennan, right out of the gate, because I don't want it getting lost in any shuffle, is that Anthony Rizzo home run on Saturday off of Kenley mm. Jansen. Yep. This is why you see it all over social media and everywhere. This is why people say, put the C on his chest, make him the captain. This is why he's the unofficial captain of the Chicago Cubs. It's because of moments like that. Anthony Rizzo comes through. And Brendan, at Cubs posted a picture when they were uh, finished posting the video of this home run on Saturday night. The smile. On Chris Bryant's face, who had gotten hit by a pitch, obviously, uh, you know, Anthony avenges him by hitting the home run off of Kenley, but the smile on Chris Bryant's face when he high-fived him coming back to the dugout, oh, my heart, Brendan, what a moment, and in in a series where they lose three of four, that was still a moment that was very important, obviously, in in theory, it prevents a sweep, Uh, but 
you know, that this team battles. This is a very good LA team, and you may find yourself in the playoffs needing to battle the Dodgers bullpen and Kenley Jensen specifically in low scoring, tight games on the road. And Anthony Rizzo comes through that. Brendan is my captain. You know what that reminded me of? It reminded me of 2016. You you may remember this, Corey. In the NLCS, it was Game 4. The Cubs needed a big offensive showing, right? Guess who comes through? Anthony Rizzo. He breaks his slump. He hits a monster shot. Guess who he goes to the dugout first to hug? Chris Bryant. So that, that exchange reminded me of that 2016 year. And Chris Bryant and, and Rizzo... This entire series, they were on one, man. Bryant, of course, had uh, had a few homers as well. So at the very least, yeah, you can be upset. Hey, they lost three or four. But Bryant and 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 Rizzo, Rizzo really had it going on there for a while. And that was, that was really fun to see there, Corey. There is little about this team that gets me more pumped than when Brizzo manufacture and produce runs. Because, again, like Javi... Has, has done his thing over the last few years, Wilson, etc. But this team is at its best and running like a well-oiled machine when Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo are teaming up to wreak havoc on pitchers. So that was very good to see this weekend. And yeah, man, that home run on Saturday night, it, it you know, rarely gets bigger than that, especially that. on the road. We needed it. Yeah, against a closer like Jansen, even though, you know, he, he's gone through some stuff and, and certainly isn't the uh, best version that we've seen of Kenley Jensen over the years. But, you know, he still, I think in this series, picks up his 20th save or something yeah. like that. So he's that still getting the job done. That was pitch, too. That was an inside cutter in on his hands, Corey. Yeah. And he turned on one. That was insane. Anthony Vincent Rizzo. Put a folks. C on that man's chest, Corey. Yes, absolutely. Build the statue outside the stadium already. Let's I go. was ready to do it for his John Lester Miller Light and Chicken outfit, but <laughs> he he does show he does show you uh, time and time again on the field why he he also deserves that. So, uh, thank you to Tony for that home run. But let me run through these games real quick again, as you know, typical with series that the Cubs don't win. Uh, I'll keep it rather brief uh, on some of these. Uh, on Thursday, despite me pleading from the stands, from like the fifth row of Dodger Stadium, pleading with him not to do this. Uh, John Lester does not have a a good start in this one. Uh, The two-run home run, not a friend to my man, John. Uh, Again, folks, I got as close as legally I am as allowed to. I I tried to will it into existence, but it it just was not happening. And disappointing because the Cubs, and one of the things I want to focus on when we get into the deeper conversation— The Cubs did really good work early against Clayton Kershaw and Rich Hill specifically, and especially Rich Hill, someone that the Cubs have had a lot of trouble with over the years, especially in the playoffs. So to see them jump on those guys in the first inning in both games was something that, again, I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle of them ultimately losing three of four because that was a, an impressive showing by this offense. Yeah, no in, yeah. in Thursday's game, Schwarber homering uh, on, I believe, the first pitch of the game, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. The first pitch of the game, his 15th home run, that made it one to nothing. Wilson would add a single to make it two to nothing. And in both games, uh, Chris Bryant would hit a solo home run to give the Cubs their third run of the game. On Thursday, it was his 13th. But again, the bottom of the fourth is where John uh, gets messed up here. And as much as I love the guy, right, John, I know you always listen to this podcast. You know how much I love you. I've made that very clear over the years. But after the game, John says that him getting struck in the foot by the David Freese line drive, John had gone three scoreless innings, allowing one hit and striking out four Dodgers before the bottom of the fourth inning. He gets hit on the foot by a David Freese line drive, and the entire start goes off the rails, including two run homers to both Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy that put the Dodgers up four to three. After the game, John said, Getting hit in the foot didn't feel good, but it didn't affect his pitching at all. I don't believe you, John. That, that That's where I'm going with this. Uh, I love you, buddy, but you looked really good up until you got hit in the foot and really bad afterwards. So like right I'm, after you got hit in the foot. That was right at, literally. The, right after. Freeze gets on, and I believe it was four straight batters. Uh, rip the ball. Get hits. Yep. Get on base. And again, two of them for two-run home runs. So I'm choosing not to believe you, John. I feel like if John's foot was completely numb, he still think he would still go out there. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. 
and again, you know, look, we've talked about this, like with the stuff he has with, you know, him getting up there in age, the littlest thing that throws off the command like that, especially to guys in particular like Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy, that can be the difference. So I definitely think that him taking a very hard line drive off the foot played a role here. But, you know, at this point, it's whatever. David Fries with a uh, two-run home run in the bottom of the fifth. That made it 6-3. to three. And then Cody Bellinger again. Uh, this guy is pretty good, folks, unfortunately. His 22nd of the year. He was not done on the weekend, unfortunately. That made it 7-3. to three, And that is where we finished. John Lester's finer line. Five innings, nine hits, six earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. Again, really, the uh, two-run home run ball was the killer in this one for John, and the offense gets the early runs against Clayton Kershaw, but nothing else the rest of the game, 7-3, to the final. On Friday, a close one, the Dodgers winning 5-3. to three. Again, 3, the magic number for the Cubs offense in these first couple games. Anthony Rizzo with a two-run home run to start this one in the first. Again, they jump right on Rich Hill. That made it 2 to nothing. Kyle Hendricks would give up that lead in the bottom of the second. Matt Beattie, his first career home run. Always uh, a fun thing to have to sit through at Dodger Stadium, Brendan. Uh, and then again, Chris Bryant giving the Cubs their third run. This time he puts them ahead with his 15th home run of the year off of Rich Hill. Rich Hill was uh, non too pleased about that one. The, the camera's picking up several expletives when Chris hit that ball. So that's always fun, but it did not last. Justin Turner tying this one, and then things did not go well from there for one Kyle Hendricks, who ultimately, we learn, hits the injured list with right shoulder inflammation. They don't believe it to be a super serious thing, uh, but he does hit the injured list after this start. Rich Hill with the seeingest of seeing eye singles put the Dodgers up on this one. I think it was like a 64-mile-an-hour ball that, of course— that, of course, was just out of range of Javi to keep the ball in the infield to prevent a run from scoring. And, of course, as such, just slow enough that Schwarber could not get to it and throw the runner out at home. So about as perfect as Rich Hill could have placed this one. Max Muncy would add another run in the bottom of the fifth with a ground out, and that would be all she wrote. The Cubs hit some very hard balls in those later innings uh, coming a few times. Rizzo and Baez in particular come to mind. Uh, Very well-struck balls, but just did not have enough carry to get out of there in the Los Angeles night. And that would be all she wrote, five to three. We already talked about the big hit on Saturday night, which was Anthony Rizzo's two-run home run off of Kenley Jensen to win that game in the ninth inning, and that is pretty much the story in this one, uh, other than you, Darvish, because it was one to nothing Dodgers up until that point, the Dodgers' lone run coming on an Alex Verdugo home run, which was pretty much the only mistake that you, Darvish, made the entire night. Yeah, he, he goes on one. seven innings, two hits, one earned run, again, that homer to Verdugo, one walk, which I believe was to Cody Bellinger, uh, and this is one of the most patient lineups in baseball. Cody Bellinger in particular has an amazing eye and is obviously uh, on an MVP level pace right now, so not the worst person to be walking is is my point, and and limit it to that only walk. And you strikes out 10 in this game. We will be diving deeper into you, Darvish, for sure, because he's on a nice run of starts here, folks, and I think that that start on Saturday should remind... The, all of us fans and, and everybody watching and, and hopefully you himself, that this is who you can be, dude. This is who you are. That is not some fluke. Like that is a very good lineup in a hostile crowd that was not happy to see him. Uh, and he shoved. And so that is a that is a big deal going forward. Good work in the bullpen also in this one by Kinsler and Kyle Ryan to keep it close one to nothing so that uh, Anthony Rizzo could hit that home run and then Pedro Strope comes in and blows right through the middle of the Dodgers order for his eighth save of the season hats to the left and on Sunday the Cubs dropping this one on Sunday night baseball three to two the Dodgers getting a run in the first on a walk Jose Quintana a little wild in that first but he did settle down the Cubs getting two runs in the sixth inning on a Wilson Contreras single and a David Bodie sack fly. Cody Bellinger would tie it right away with his 23rd home run of the season, and then the Dodgers would win it on a Russell Martin single to left, scoring Chris Taylor in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, a 
brief reminder on that one that Chris Bryant is not an outfielder, uh, and sometimes that is going to pay dividends. That's what happens. As it does here. That's what happens. He does not make a good throw. Uh, Chris Taylor should have been out by a mile if Kyle Schwarber, the normal left fielder, and for all of you, uh, Kyle Schwarber isn't a good fielder. He's a DH people. He guns Chris Taylor out. I bet they don't even send him if Schwarber's out there. So, Yeah. uh, yeah. Anyway, just a reminder, Chris Bryant is a third baseman, uh, and sometimes the Cubs' versatility and ability to move these players around does have an adverse effect, even though the the you know net is, I think, usually a positive. The Cubs threaten in the ninth inning, but ultimately can't have Kenley Jensen blow a save for the second straight game, and 3-2 to two is the final. So some very close games in this one. Obviously, the game on Thursday gets away from them a little bit, uh, but, you know, even at times, you know, the Dodgers hit those two home runs. It was four to three. The Cubs had a chance in the fifth to, you know, kind of get back in it. And then it goes away from there. But Brendan, like we said, kind of in the outset, before we jump in, I think our first topic, uh, you know, meaty topic will be you Darvish. Uh, but again, I, I think all things considered, you, you had some winnable games uh, that they dropped in Colorado and Los Angeles on this trip. Uh, and unfortunately, you and I not able to in person kind of get things going on the road. But again, you remain one game back. You you played the Dodgers, I think, pretty well. Uh, you know, you certainly would like to have seen them get a split here because, uh, you know, the Friday game, you only lose by two. Sunday, you lose by one. You certainly have your chances in both of those games. But all things considered, this is one of the tougher stretches the Cubs are going to go on. Uh, you know, you finish a series with the Cardinals at home. You have seven straight games on the road against the Rockies and Dodgers. And ultimately, as far as the standings go, they're not in a worse position. So you get back home, you have a long home stand here, starting with the White Sox on Tuesday, and you move forward. We had this trip circled on our calendars. We know every single year the Cubs go out and they have difficulty coming back with a positive win record. It's just how it is. So uh, there's, there's of course, one huge positive from this trip, and it is you, Darvish. I think yeah. I even mentioned that. Out of everything else, even if they don't come away with a winning record this trip, if Darvish goes out there and shoves against Los Angeles, that could be a huge thing for him. Guess what he did? He went out there and he shoved. He threw seven innings. He looked phenomenal with that fastball. He came right back out after that first inning with, you know, a few... He just didn't look that sharp in the first inning. He came back out, looked great the entire time. And overall, Darvish's last four starts, Corey, his last four starts, you ready for this? He has a walk per nine rate under 2.6. His K per nine is almost nine batters per nine innings, and his ERA is under three. That is exactly what he was with Texas for several years. That is what he was in the second half in 2017 with the Dodgers. This is who Theo Epstein signed. And one reason we're seeing this now is because of that fastball command. There's been several starts now where he's throwing over 70% of his pitches near the strike zone or in the strike zone. That's a huge increase from his first few months. So yeah, it, it sucks to lose three out of four. The games were competitive. They were still good at bats. Rizzo had a good series. Brian had some good hits. But out of everyone from this team, from this road trip, you Darvish stands out because especially with Hendricks going on the DL, someone kind of needs to take that place. And I think if with, with Darvish, with that fastball, with the command, with the health, he's throwing 95, 98 miles per hour. This is good to see, and there's a lot to be excited about, I think, because he has that command back now going forward. So you have to be, I mean, you have to tip your cap off to Darvish here. That was a hostile environment, like you said, and he went out there. The LA Times was talking trash about him again, and Darvish, I think, made a donation to one of their writers, whatever it was. I have to see who exactly that person was. But Darvish just says, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to go out there and do my thing. And that probably was his best start of the year so good for him keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply 
This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Yeah, absolutely. He went into the game, uh, you know, just looking at this quote from the LA Times. uh, And he said, I used to think of all the times to pitch poorly. Why then? Referring to game seven of the 2017 World Series. But I have to move forward. I think I have to view it as a learning experience. And then after the game on Saturday, you know, he said sort of to further that, like, I finally pitched good on that mound in, you know, a big moment. And I I really think I can move forward now. And I just, you have to give a huge credit to him and to the Cubs coaching staff. I'm sure Joe, Tommy Hadovy, the the mental conditioning team played a big role in this. And I think that, you know, it's very easy for a lot of, you know, and we've talked about this before, you know, some of these sports writers to jump into their psychology chair and and say, you know, this guy's mentally weak or, or this, that, or the other. And I think that, you know, you really sometimes lose sight of, obviously, Brennan and I have spoken about how much we hate that kind of language and those particular, you know, armchair diagnosis and stuff. But I think you do have to like, and especially hearing him talk about it going into this weekend, like he pitched poorly in game seven of the World Series. Like, I, I think it's it's odd at times that people act like that's not something that would stick with a person and that would, would be something that you would kind of have in the back of your mind all the time. And I think that quote from him going into Saturday's game really illustrates that. Like, of all times to pitch poorly, of all the times that I've pitched great in my life, why did it have to not? happen in game seven of the world series and you understand it and as i was saying to you before we jumped on brendan you really hope that this and he again you went through it like he's been good in his last several starts here the walk totals have really started to come down we have not seen in the last several starts any of those like oh my god this guy has no clue where the ball is going you know the ball is going to the backstop like we saw sometimes in the beginning of this year and certainly last year that has not been happening lately he looks calm composed and and with his stuff right now and you you really hope that this is one of those starts where any lingering questions about you know his his confidence or anything like that go out the window and he is able to recognize like that is me. You are not that pitcher that has to be that wild or have that lack of command or or these, you know, discussions from the larger fan base about his abilities and his contract and all that other stuff. The person that we saw on Saturday night is you Darvish. There is a reason that he got that contract. There's a reason that he has the pedigree that he does and that he's had so much success in this league throughout his career. It's because his stuff is this good, and he can be this good. So this is one of those starts where you know Joe Madden went back into that clubhouse and told him probably exactly that. This is you. Don't let any of these dumb Dodger fans or these stupid writers tell you otherwise. This is you, the guy that just struck out 10 Dodgers, one of the best lineups in baseball, and some of the best players in baseball, in Bellinger, etc., this is you, man. You, right. Y-O-U, and you, Y-U, both, right? It's all the same person. Like, right. this is what you are capable of. Believe in your stuff. Believe in your abilities. And just keep doing this going forward. And yeah, like you mentioned, Brendan, like going back to, uh, you know, that start against Cincinnati on May 25th is probably like the last one that was just not not good. That was the one where he gets sent back out uh, to, you know, finish with 108 pitches, ends up getting up another home run, and it you know, sort of derails, but like you look at his, his lines from these games 
And the walk totals are down. The strikeout totals are up. He's hitting six innings, seven innings on a regular basis now, which, you know, is not a benchmark you want to be looking at. But when you go back to last year, it wasn't happening at all. And I think that we've seen in sports sometimes, like, getting over hurdles like this, mental hurdles of, I just want to pitch good at Dodger Stadium when when all the eyes are on me, I just want to have a good start. We've seen stuff in sports all the time where stuff like that really does send a guy just on a different path. And and yeah. I th- I re- you know he was already building toward that, and I really hope that he's able to take this and and just keep building on it. He's been very good. And as I was saying to you before we jumped on, Brendan, like it's been hard to entertain, a- admittedly, like for good reason. It's been hard to entertain the idea of like what if Darvish does look like a top of the rotation, like elite starter. But when you watch him do what he did on Saturday against that Dodger lineup, you do start to consider it. And you're you're gonna have those reservations about his command because he's, you know, just sort of conditioned Cubs fans to that at this point. It's gonna be hard to overcome that maybe like lack of complete trust, right? Uh, un- unless he just starts spinning off starts like that well, every time. But like you can entertain the idea like don't forget like when we you know when we look at the Cubs pitching staff and everything like this guy has the ability to be a top pitcher in this league his stuff is so good and I know it's been difficult to like entertain that idea over his time here but he looks like a different person he looks more like the person that Theo went out and signed and if he is it's a big freaking deal for this team Brendan the reason that it was so troublesome that Darvish was not performing in the first few weeks was because he never did this at any point in his career. Like he never had these types of command problems. And it was so puzzling that all of a sudden, just like every other recent free agent acquisition the Cubs have made for the right. rotation, this guy can't throw strikes. What is going on here? Because at the same time, too, he was throwing 96, 98. We saw him hit 99 at one point, just with no command. So you had to think, okay, at some point, this is not who you Darvish is. You expect him to get back to that same level that he was with, with the Dodgers, with the Rangers, at some point. It's just a matter of, of kind of when. It was hard to envision it happening soon just because he was giving you no signs that he was going to snap out of this. But again, the last month, those four stars, and even even five stars, if you want to include that fifth star when he went back out in the eighth inning against Cincinnati, sure, he's looked a lot better. But those four stars, the reason, the reason he's looking better is because he has that fastball command. Corey, he made that Dodgers lineup look silly absolutely silly from the second inning on through the seventh made that lineup which is probably the best lineup in the National League right now like complete garbage and that that is like the type of guy who when you look back at his highlight reel you see those same reactions you see hitters react like what was that what did I just see there yeah so it's 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 fun to watch and I think you're you're right on and when we were talking about what is it, a month and a half ago about the Cubs' overwhelming potential with their rotation? I think you mentioned, like, hey, the Cubs may not have that overwhelming pitcher. I think we do. I, I yeah, they think might, we, right. I think we do. And I, I, I still think we do with Cole Hamels, but I think if you get you Darvish back on track, there is no other pitcher who has the type of stuff you Darvish has. There's yeah. no one, Corey, I'm, literally no one else, that can throw 99 miles per hour with a slider and a cutter that is 89 to 91 with that type of movement. Literally no one else in the league. He is the nastiest pitcher in the league. The only problem he's had has been the command. And guess what? The last four starts, the command is back. So guess what? If this continues, he's going to be one of the best pitchers in the league. And that's why I'm so jazzed about it. Because yeah, at a point where Hendricks goes down, it's it's not too serious, but you just never know. It does kind of make you question, okay, can this rotation go through the entire year given their age, some of their recent injury problems? And so to have you Darvish step up right now, it kind of solidifies your confidence in this depth of the rotation as well, where someone can go down and they can still 
be okay. They can still get through it because they have four other guys to pick up this, the the slack. So for Darvish, man, like I am, I'm so jazzed about it. I, I really am. I think, yeah, it sucks to again to lose this much in the road. But if you were to tell me ahead of time, like, yeah, you're going to lose five of seven games here, but you, Darvish, is going to continue to do this and have his best outing as a Cub in Dodger Stadium, yeah, sign me up. I want that. That's 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 more than enough for me. So it's it's fun to see there, Corey. Yeah, and if you could go in knowing, okay, you're going to lose two of seven here on the road, but you're not going to lose any ground, and right. you might just get you, Darvish, like really yeah, turning like that corner. Up for that. Exactly. And I want to live in that moment. We talk about those like vein-injecting moments that you want. When he gets the called third strike on Matt Beattie to end that seventh inning, to end his yep. start, he lets out a scream. Live in that. You like, and you again, you know that Joe and the mental team are focusing on that moment. They they are highlighting that moment. But like, it, like that is you, man. Like that is the pitcher that you know you can be, that you know you are. Like, like dive into that. Like, let's keep that going because that was that moment where you're like, yes, you like you did it. You own this team tonight and it the only shame on that Saturday night because they ultimately pull out the win is that Darvish doesn't get that win so that all these stupid LA rag newspapers didn't have to print W Darvish right because that just would have been the icing on the cake but man that last moment that scream from him like let's go you that is who you are keep it going but I do want to transition because you brought it up you know we we Hendricks goes on the I.L. Uh, he, so he's on the 10 day, day IL again, like they don't think it's a significant thing and the way that the schedule and the off days and this, they, they don't necessarily have to use that start just because of the off days. They can get through it with the guys they have available, but the predominant thinking here, and I'm assuming that you and I, Brendan, are on the same page here, though I didn't ask to confirm this, uh, we want Alzale. Right, like we want to see it. He has been so good in AAA for the Iowa Cubs. He's the top pitching prospect for this organization. It lines up perfectly for him to come up and take that start from Hendricks. We had talked before about you know this guy is on a run that you kind of have to take notice of. He's like really pushing at the door for like, hey guys, like you kind of need to call me up. You're having these bullpen problems. Like, you know, you've got some older starters and, you know, maybe I can come up and throw some flames for you, right? Like, and you so want to had, reward someone for performing that well. I mean, he's terrible. Yeah, right. AAA so we had, right we had already been kind of heading to that point that had been sort of coming to a, a boiling point just in terms of his performance on the season and, and especially lately. But, Hendricks goes down, he's lined up literally on the same day to be throwing and stay on that regular schedule. When when the news first comes out, the beat writers are all like, well, they could go Mike Montgomery, they could go Tyler no. Chatwood. Nope, no. Nope. No, nope. No, no, nope. no, no, no. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm pounding the table. We want Adbert Alzole, right, Did Brendan? You practice saying that that Adbert Alzole. I still. It's have a tough one. I, it's I, a tongue I just twister. It right there yeah, well. you should. Yeah. Th- th- I think a, a good tongue twister. You should do both double A's. How fast can you say Albert Almora, Adbert Alzole? <laughs> In I'm succession, can you say that. that fast like five times in a row? Not even trying that. Yeah. But, but Al's away, man. You look at these numbers, right? So he has 32 innings uh, with Iowa, a 12.94K per nine, a 1.69 walk per nine rate. His ERA is 3.09, but you're less concerned with that number and that type of sample. You're more concerned with the strikeouts and with the walks and having those two rates be I mean, among the best in the minors, if that translates over to major league to the major league level, then you're looking at one of the better pitchers, right? So, so he pitches on Friday. It lines up perfectly with Hendricks too. And if you think about who they want to call up for Hendricks when they figure out someone else for this uh, for this spot start, you want a guy with some length as well. So even if he goes out there and starts and gives you four to five innings, that's a lot, right? And even. Even if Montgomery does start, I'm not saying I want that to happen, or chat with starts, I'm not saying I want that to happen either. But if those guys go three to four innings, also they can give you another four to five innings. Mm-hmm. So who else is there to call up? Do you want to stick with Tim Collins or Rowan Wick? 
okay, if you want to do that, that's fine. But at the same time, I think there's a there's an argument to be made too by bringing up Alzole right now that you kind of you reward him for what he's been doing. Right. And the Cubs have done this with several other guys in the past. They did this with Kyle Schwarber, right? In, in 2015, they call him up right before the All-Star break. He was there in Cleveland for a few games, and then he went right back down. And eventually he came back, and he, he tore up 2015, We all, as we all know. So it does have value. And I think yeah. I, I would be shocked, Corey, if Al Zoe is not pitching at some point in the next week. I would I would be shocked. And the, I'd be very the beat writers noted that Theo had mentioned like that they were considering it, which to me suggests that that's what's going to happen. But right. I, I wanted to uh, give a, a nod to just this one of these like particular lines of thinking to uh, Brian Smith, who I think we've mentioned on here before at Cub Prospects. He's the minor league writer for BleacherNation.com now. And he's often talked, especially on, on his Twitter account, which is a great follow, about the idea of situations like this with Hendricks going down and other spots opening in the bullpen like we've seen throughout the years and the value of giving those opportunities to some of your younger players because there is value in saying, hey, these are our young guys that we're trying to develop, that we're trying to grow and that have that potential because of how young they are and and they don't have this experience yet. There's more value in trying that rather than sometimes these these older veterans or these guys you get off the scrap heap, etc. Because yeah, they have more of a track record than a prospect. Of course they do. Like that's kind of the literal definition, right? But this is one of those opportunities where it's like, yeah, man, like we could give the start to Mike Montgomery, but why? Right? Try Alzale. He might be able to inject, uh, uh, you might confirm like hey we've got another pitcher that we need to have at the major league level because whether he's a spot starter whether he's a six man in the rotation which they're not going to do but i'm just saying a long man out of the bullpen right like whatever role he can play you might just be confirmed in thinking like dude this guy has to be at the major league level and and he's young you've got him for a long time and so that's just something that brian has talked about a lot in in this situation and, and and many others where it's like let's try the young guys because there's just longer term potential there than saying yeah okay like tyler chatwood gave us a pretty good start but what's the the future value in that for the organization right? Like you might as well try someone who may change the hierarchy of what you're doing here. And and when we're talking about, you know, going to the trade deadline and needing another reliever, again, I don't know Rowan if they Wicks want right him there. <laughs> right, right. What yeah, if he is right, right there? there? And, and, and again, I don't know that they want Adbert in particular relieving or what role they want him playing. I think obviously long-term they'd like him to be a starter, but you may just find that option that you already have. And and this is a perfect opportunity to give him that start. It's lined up his exact day to be pitching. I think you got to do it. Uh, yeah. Again, yeah. I'm not the the big prospect guy, and maybe there are people out there who would say, you know, he's doing his development thing. They want him to whatever, right? I don't know. But to me, this is such an easy like fall in your lap for bad circumstances. Of course, you hope that this isn't some lingering thing with Hendricks, but I don't think it will be. And I think you got to take it, man. Yeah, no, I mean, no doubt, too. And with Rowan Wick back up with the team, I am excited to see what he can do. Just because, like Alzole, you look at these numbers and you scratch your head and think, why is he not with the team more often? So for Rowan Wick, he has a K per nine of 10.87, okay? His walk per nine, which is, of course, the most important thing given this command issue with this bullpen, 2.63 walk per nine. That's that's exceptional. His ERA with AAA in 27 innings is 2.3. He gets 52% grounders. So when these guys do make contact, which is rare given that strikeout rate, they're hitting the ball right on the ground. So you can hit that ball right into to Javi Baez's glove, essentially. So I would like not only for Alzolay to get those opportunities, but 
you want to see Wick, I think, get more shots at it as well, just because one, he does have the ability to command, and at the very at the very worst, right, if he's going to get beat, it's not going to be by walks. And I think, of course, we're all kind of sick of seeing that happen. And with CJ out on the IL, there is going to be a spot open for someone maybe to have more of an influential role. So we have Tim Collins in there. Now we have Rowan Wick. You have to think at some point Wick is going to get at least a few more shots here, especially with Montgomery in there, and he can play the lefty role. I I just I, I need to see more Rowan Wick here, Corey. I think, like you were saying with Brian Smith, you want to give these younger guys an opportunity. With Wick, he was uh, a waiver pickup. He's now 26 years old. He's not necessarily young. But he does have the need to develop at the major league level. He only has nine innings under his belt. And I think by the end of the year, by September, yeah, like I, I genuinely think this guy could be a six-plus inning guy. I think with that type of stuff. And by the way, this guy is a tank. I saw him in uh, in LA in that last game. He's like two hundred and fifty pounds, six foot three, six foot four, whatever he is. The guy's a tank. Let's give him a shot here, and I think it could work out very well for this team. You're listening to this on Monday. I don't know if we'll get more information on when they're planning on making this decision about what to do uh, while Hendricks is out. But the Cubs related podcast, uh, pretty pretty clear in their opinion. Alzole or bust. Yeah. Alzole yeah. or bust. Yeah. Don't give me Chatwood or Montgomery. Don't no do offen- it. No offense Theo. to those guys. Like, like yeah, right. You, like they're yeah. fine. They would be fine for a spot start. But you yeah. just like it's we like know like kind of the ceiling of like what they're gonna give you and. Alzole offers something completely above that, and and you and I think it's worth seeing what that might be and how that might play at the major league level. And if you've got something that again really kind of makes you reconsider, like taking stock of of your options and everything as you head into the trade deadline. So that's what I want to see. Um, before we get into our next topic, Brendan, I, I did just want to touch on uh, just kind of circling back to our, our conversation in the last podcast. You and I both went to some of these games uh, this weekend at Dodger Stadium, and every time, Brendan, every time I leave there and I say, why do I keep doing this? Every time I go, I don't have a good time. I hate it there. <laughs> I hate the fans. The stadium smells like pee. Every time. But I, we always keep doing it. And, and I know the answer is because we love the Chicago Cubs and we're going to ride with our team no matter what. But, dude, I've been coming here since like 2006 when my family moved here. Other than the 2016 NLCS, my record is atrocious at this ballpark. But we just keep, we just can't quit it, Brendan, can we? I mean, I've lost seven straight games there, Corey. I can't keep doing this to myself. My psyche is just falling apart over here, and <laughs> it's so bad. It actually does smell like urine. I, Corey and I met up by the Cubs bullpen, and I'm like, what is that smell? And you look over by the stairs, and it's like rusty. It looks as if the stairs are falling apart. You got this DJ to the left of me that is blasting. God knows what he's blasting. I can barely even talk to Corey. It smells like urine. Why do I go there? I have to sit in traffic 30 minutes to go up this hill, 45 minutes to go down the hill. It's 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 like a jail. It's a prison up there. It's like Alcatraz for baseball. I cannot keep doing it, Corey. But but we do, Brendan. And again, <laughs> I do just want to be clear. We like, we did not get the job done this weekend, obviously. But Brendan and I'm I sorry. were both there in the 2016 NLCS. We propelled right. personally that team to winning the pennant. So I think we're clear. We get the job done when it counts, I think, is is the moral of the story here. But, you know, we, you know, just to wrap up, because the Cubs don't play the Dodgers uh, until, until October, until the playoffs uh, yep. again. Yep. And so I think we do need, we, you know, we needed to just wrap up the, hey, yes, by the way, we do not like Dodger Stadium uh, and the experience of going there. So I did just want to touch on that. But Moving on, Brendan, this 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 following conversation has to happen, okay? And we've kind of put it off because for some for for similar reasons to other guys, you know, when guys come back and they're they're getting a feel for things and they they start okay, they put up some numbers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you want to give it some time, but Brendan Addison Russell starts all four games in this series. And I am done with it, 
Brendan, okay? <laughs> he looks terrible at the plate. He th- struck out on pitches and threw his bat toward the Dodger dugout. It had to have been five times in this series, so many times that on national TV, Jock Peterson is running into the dugout and throwing a pine tarred bat at the Cubs dugout. The Dodgers are literally making fun of Addison Russell in the middle of the game on national television. That's how many times bats were thrown at their dugout. But this is not just some like, you know, picking on, on Russell situation. His numbers are terrible, guys. And at this point, I just don't understand this pitching staff that the the Cubs went up against this weekend in Kershaw, Hill, Bueller, and Ryu, some of the best pitchers in baseball in a row. And Russell plays every single game. Guys, he has a 230 batting average, okay? He has a 285 WOBA and a 74 WRC+. Those last two numbers would be the worst of his career. He has never put up a season in Major League Baseball where he was a league average hitter. 95, 5 under 100, 100 being league average, was the closest he got in 2016. 85 in 2017, 80 in 2018, again, a 74 right now in 2019. It would be one thing if he looked good and you were like, man, he's ripping the ball, taking really good at bats, hitting the ball deep, et cetera, blah, 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 right? It, 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 in that respect, kind of reminds me of when David Bodie was struggling in 2018 after he had the hot start, but then he started to struggle when pitchers started really attacking him up in the zone. Part of the reason that everyone was so intrigued to see him push through it, aside from the obvious clutch moments, was he was literally a top Major League Baseball's exit velocity leaderboard when he was putting the bat on the ball. So you're like, man, we need to let this guy work through it because when he hits the ball, the ball explodes off of his bat. What on earth, Brendan, are they looking at right now that Russell is A, starting over Bodie in multiple games of this series— but that he's playing now every day somehow. He strikes out three times on Sunday, looks terrible in these at-bats. I just don't get it, Brendan. Yeah, I, I don't I don't get it too. And I think it does kind of point back to the lack of depth on, on this team. He did start today, but Bodie started at third base because you want to get Bodie in the lineup against a lefty. And Chris Bryant goes to left field. And you have to play Jason Hayward because there's no other viable alternative right now. And you saw Hayward just look like, again, garbage, I think, for a lot of these at-bats as well. So it, Russell is one problem of an underlying issue, I mm-hmm. think. And it's the fact that the Cubs don't have any depth right now from from that perspective. And I'm with you, Corey. I'm done with Addison Russell. I'm done. It's been five years now. The guy's going to be 25 years old. He is 25 years old now. It's 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 time. It's over. I'm sorry. It's over. This guy is getting paid $4 million per year. He's been suspended for domestic violence. He does not have the wherewithal to adjust. He's gone through so many different adjustments. And the fact is, he just he just doesn't have it. He he had a lot of potential when he was first called up. We were all excited about it. He was getting compared to Barry Larkin. We all bought into the hype. Unfortunately, that was four years ago. Four years ago, Corey. It's over. And it sucks to see him go out there and consistently play. But then you have to ask yourself the question, okay, what's the alternative right now? Right. And there, there is none. There is none. Because the Cubs made the conscious decision to bring him back, to sign Daniel Descalso as a $3 million safety net. And you're assuming Ben Zobris is at least going to play. And unfortunately for his off-the-field issues, that hasn't come to fruition. Right. There's there's no one else. And on top of that, you demote Ian Happ three days before the season started. So this is kind of a perfect storm situation. Now you're stuck with Addison Russell. You're stuck with playing him consistently. So I... I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's like, okay, I don't want to see it more. I don't want to see any more of Addison Russell. But like, you know, Bodie, I love Bodie, but there are going to come times where 
he's going to be overwhelmed. He's going to go through these dry spells because he needs to adjust. He has barely seen Major League pitching. So when that does happen, that then what? Then, then Russell has to play more. And to some degree, that's probably the strategy Joe Madden and Theo are employing is like, okay, Bodie might have the higher ceiling here, but you want to at least propel his development and not and not expose him right. too much to these bad pitchers. I think that's that was probably part of the strategy against Los Angeles, but at some point you need to do better than Addison Russell for Bodie, for this team to win, because it does like he sucked, Corey, and you <laughs> he had what? Fifteen plate appearances, whatever it was. It makes a difference. It does. It makes a big difference, especially him being a second baseman. Now you can go out. You can try try to find something else that's not as a defensive uh, liability. I guess it's there has to be more done. I just don't know what the solution is, but I think it's the underlying issue that the Cubs may not have that depth. They may need to go out and continue to get more depth. Carlos Gonzalez is not. It's not your answer right now. I, I like the guy. I like the attitude. I think it's interesting, but I'm not going to put all my money on him as as your last depth piece. They have to go out and at least consider the option of adding to this team. I think that's that's all you can really ask for at this point. Right, and and I know I, I do agree with you. I think that the depth, you know, is is basically where this comes in, and I and I just think that in a lot of these games, you really see the strain that is put on the top of that order, right? Because you 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 would really like in those first two games when the top of the order, you know, some combination of Schwarber, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Wilson, right? They're, they're putting up three runs each on Rich Hill and Clayton Kershaw, and then the offense does literally nothing the rest of the game. And that should be enough of a contribution from some of these guys, right? Like Chris Bryant taking Clayton Kershaw deep, he shouldn't have to drive in 10 people a game, right? But now we look, Jason Hayward is back to exactly a league average hitter, 100, uh, when you're looking at WRC plus weighted runs created. That's that's probably what you're going to expect. Yeah, but I just say that given that, you know, he started the year putting up, you know, way better offensive numbers than we had seen from him in his time as a Cub, but he's kind of back to that same deal, basically, right? And Albert had a great game on Sunday, but he's gone through stretches where he's inconsistent himself. And when you have in some of these games a bottom of the order that is, you know, Hayward, Russell, etc., it puts a lot of strain on the top of that order to be the guys, you know, consistently just driving and runs, driving and runs, driving and runs. And I think that that is kind of reflected in the inconsistency of the offense that we've seen at times from this team. So again, like I, the Zobris thing is tough to downplay its significance, right? Because it really messes with the plans. Like for you to just not have him and it's not an injury, it's something you just can't really foresee. It changes things. It really does sort of change your roster, your outlook, everything. But I don't think a lot of us thought Descasso would be this no, bad, too. No. So oh, yeah. No, no, no. All of it, like in conjunction. It's, yeah, it's a absolutely. perfect storm. It's like it yeah. just sucks to see. And and like you said, like when you send Ian Happ down, you're, again, he's a young player as well, right? You're committing to his development and his adjustment, which means that the the first, second some of these other guys aren't getting it done, you're not going to call him up because you have prioritized very clearly his development and and addressing certain issues that he has and working through those issues. So you've committed to that. So you have to commit to that. And it it just leaves you in this spot. But uh, look, all I'm saying is like you and I were to some of the loudest voices in terms of believing in Addison Russell's baseball ability as a prospect and that he would turn into that hitter that these prospect lists and all these things envisioned his capability of being. So I think when you and I say like, it's, I don't, I really don't think this is going to happen. Like you were being honest with you. And like, that's just how I see it. He just doesn't look good. There, there is nothing that I am seeing when I'm looking at these at bats that I'm able to say, well, you know, this is happening or this is happening. Or when you look at the underlying peripherals, whatever, like 
this is this is going to turn into something, right? I, I just don't see it, man. He looks really overmatched by a lot of these pitchers. And to be fair to all of the Cubs hitters in this series, like this is a very good Dodger rotation. You got the best of it, right, in this in this series. So a lot of guys look bad against Clayton Kershaw and Hyunjin Ryu, who's the MLB's ERA leader, right? But he just looks very overmatched in a lot of these at-bats. He looks really bad in a lot of these at-bats, and and the throwing the bat thing is not new for him, but in this series in particular, it was at least three or four times where that was happening on strikeouts, where he's... Three times on Sunday. Yeah, nowhere close. Back of the net. (laughs) Right. Nowhere close on these pitches. He can't hold on to the bat. It, It... I, I I just think it's something that's going to have to be addressed because it you you just I, I think at, at times are are having too much inconsistency from from some of these guys and we can't just expect you know Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras and Kyle Schwarber like he's been doing at the leadoff spot you you can't just ask those five guys to pace the offense on a nightly basis it's it's just yeah. not a reasonable ask of these guys. And I think you're just like you said, Brendan. You're you're going to need to figure out how to get more depth somehow. And and is that getting Ben Zobris back? Is that calling Ian Happ up and and seeing if he can, uh, you know, put together a good season and and make those adjustments back up at the MLB level? I'm not sure, but I don't think those I, are viable solutions either, I, though. Because even if, even if Zobris does come back, I Zobris think best case tough. scenario, yeah, yeah, like best case scenario, it's like maybe middle of August, late August. It's too late. You can't rely on that. You can't rely right. on that being a viable option. Unfortunately, if he comes back and gives you anything, of course, that's fantastic. But for you to go into the trade deadline and assume, yeah, Zobris will be what he was last year, you can't do that anymore. Right. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, like, is he... Is it going to take him time to get in shape? He's obviously got a lot on his mind, and I don't think anybody right. faults him for that. Um, but when you're asking, can we rely on him to come back and you know be that kind of traditional Ben Zobrist with uh, you know his line that's almost always somehow like identical to itself for like a decade? Uh, you know, I think that's a tough question to ask. It's a lot to ask of somebody. So yeah. it's it's a tough spot. Yeah. Um, and I'm. I, it'll be interesting to see how they proceed with this going forward. But the the moral of the story for me is just like I I know you want to protect David Bodie and you don't want to get him in a situation where he is overmatched or overwhelmed by anything. But I really don't want to see Addison Russell starting every single game of a series against the LA Dodgers. I, I think it was a mistake from the jump. And you know, you, you kind of get what you're, you're paying for. Like I, there are a lot of people I was telling you, Brendan, like in the mentions on, on the Cubs Twitter and stuff that want to pat Russell on the back for getting the hit that breaks up Walker Bueller's no hitter. And it's, and it's, that's the point we're at with him, Brendan, where, where people are literally patting him on the back for contributing anything, (laughs) contributing one thing, one time. And it it just it's it's just wild to me. Like guys, Addison Russell doesn't have an extra base hit since that home run in Houston. That's a yeah. lot of games without an extra base hit. Like it 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 just isn't there, man. Like and you look at David Bodie. Like he's got a three forty nine woba, a one sixteen wrc plus, and that's after an zero for four with a sack fly in Sunday's game. Like those are good numbers. He's a good defender. You're not losing that much. We know that Russell potentially has an elite glove, right? He hasn't played that much second base in his major league career, but he certainly was capable of that at shortstop. So you, uh, you know, would think that he's going to be able to produce really good defensively at second base. But Bodie's also really good. He's been a plus defender for this team. He's rated well when you look at these defensive metrics. He's got a great arm. He's got good instincts, and he'll continue to get better. So like. The, the loss there does not outweigh the difference in production on offense. And again, I get that you want to be careful with it, but there's just some matchups that we've seen lately where Russell gets the nod over Bodie, and I'm I'm not here for it, and I'm I'm over it, man. It's it's not going to happen with Addison Russell a, a, as the baseball player. It it's just not going to happen. So yep. I I think it's it's just time that you know. And again, whether that's looking inward to, you know, some of these options, looking outward. 
I don't know, but you got to figure out a way to get more consistent production out of some of these positions. And as we talked about before, there's only so many positions on this team that you're able to make adjustments at, right? Like you've got set players at certain positions. So there's a couple areas you can look at and that's kind of it. So that's where the scrutiny goes. All right, so let me preview this upcoming two-game set against the Chicago White Sox at Wrigley Field. And you can get tickets to that two-game set through SeatGeek. With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? Plus, I always use SeatGeek for whatever tickets I need. I use SeatGeek to go to all my Dodger games against the Cubs this past weekend. Cora uses it for similar events as well. Even concerts, basketball games, you name it, SeatGeek has it. Plus, best of all, SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay, so the Cubs will be flying back to Chicago. They have an off day on Monday. So they get to relax up and begin a very long home set that extends through the 27th of June. So we have about two weeks here, Corey, where they can get back on track. So on Tuesday, a night game, 7.05 p.m. Central Start Time, Ivan Nova for the White Sox. You remember, you may remember Ivan Nova for his time in Pittsburgh. He's 3-5 and five with a 6.28 ERA. Cole Hamels will take the mound for the Cubs, who's 6-2 with a 2.98 ERA. On Wednesday, same start time, 7.05 p.m. Central. Unfortunately, the Cubs got screwed here. They'll be facing Lucas Giolito, who might be the best pitcher in the American League right now. He's 10-1 with a 2.22 ERA. He's shortened his delivery. He almost like short arms it now, almost like Trevor Bauer to some degree. So that was a big change that, that's propelled him. Uh, he'll be facing John Lester, who's 5-5 five and five with a 4.08 ERA. John looking to rebound from getting hit on the foot and kind of falling apart there in Los Angeles. And then just to give a little bit of a complete picture, after that White Sox two-game set, the Mets come to town for a four-game set all the way through Sunday. So the Cubs have, you know, six games against a pretty weak opponent. So now is the time to try to capitalize on that rough road trip. And the Cubs are one game back of Milwaukee, who sits at 40 and 31. The Cubs sit at 39 and 32. The Cardinals are 36 and 34, back above 500. They are three and a half games back of Milwaukee, two and a half, two and a half games back up of the Cubs. Pittsburgh is 32 and 39. They are falling apart here. They're eight games back. And then they are tied with Cincinnati for last place in the Central who are 31 and 38. So that is the complete picture all the way through next week. I am looking for John to rebound here. Hopefully that foot is not going to be problematic. Looking for better at-bats from 1 through 9 in the Cubs order. Hoping to see David Bodie play a little bit more. And seeing how they match up against Lucas Giolito, who right now is one of the best, if not the best pitcher, as I said, in the American League. So unfortunately, the White Sox have been bad, but facing Giolito is going to be a tough task here, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the first of many going forward where the White Sox and their fans are going to, you know, kind of be up and ready for this series. I, You know, I know yeah. it, to some fans in Chicago, I don't think you or I, it's never really been like this my whole life. I could not care any less about the White Sox. It's another team on the schedule. Um, it's just not something I devote mental energy to. Uh, I Actually, I shouldn't say that. Brendan actually has a replica Crosstown Cup in his office uh, that he <laughs> carries around sometimes. Uh, so I shouldn't say that. Brendan is big on the Crosstown Cup. Wasn't there like a, a like a scene, I think, last year or the year before when they won the Crosstown Cup? It was Javi. You're was talking Hobby's about like, Javi. Yeah. yeah. Javi's like, what do I do with this What thing? do I do with this thing? Yeah. 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 I was like, I'm, I'm enough yeah. with these awards already. Right. Yeah, that was great. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, when you've held the real trophy, the commissioner's trophy, this 
beating the White Sox trophy doesn't quite do it for you. But hey, was a co-NLCS MVP with right. uh, you know with John Lester. Right. So he's 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 a pretty successful guy there. He has a lot of awards. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, to each their own. If it's your jam, it's your jam. Uh, I know you know a lot of people have that kind of interfamily rivalry. So if you're all about it, be all about it. I am not one to uh, judge in that regard. Uh, but it doesn't do much for me. But I do think that you know this is going to be kind of the start of these series feeling more impactful, reminding, I think, us, uh, you and I, Brendan, in particular, a little more of our youth when these teams were good at the same time, I think, on a more frequent basis, even if it was infrequent in the grand scheme of things. It certainly felt like more than it has been lately. And, you know, the White Sox hit 500 over this weekend before dropping the last two to the Yankees, uh, which I'm, without looking, sure is the latest they've been 500 in, in, in some time. And they've obviously got a lot of excitement going on over there. It's going to be very, uh, pick a word, unfortunate, (laughs) uncomfortable to watch Eloy Jimenez hit in Wrigley Field, but not as a Chicago Cub. Could you imagine if Key was throwing to to Eloy? The takes, takes takes, boy, would be (laughs) something. Um, But such is life, you know, like uh, the the organizations are kind of in different places right now, but uh, as the White Sox, you know, are are, are really kind of uh, ramping things up and getting close to those years where they're really going for it, it'll it'll make for a certainly spirited crowd and, and some good games back and forth. And it, really the key for me is, look, like this, this West Coast trip is behind you. It did not go well. It could have gone worse. So that's the plus, I suppose. And, you know, you're back home, a long homestand. You have been taking care of business all season at Wrigley Field. Put that West Coast trip behind you. You're a game back of the Brewers and just push things into gear here. Take care of business at home. And that's all that, you know, really needs to be said. Uh, you know, I think, uh, again, like we, we we cautioned approaching this week, this past week, with a, a certain sense of like, okay, it might not go well for a reason. It's a tough trip, tough teams, you know, especially this Dodger team is very, very good. And, you know, to have some competitive games at Dodger Stadium where you, you could have earned a split, maybe even taken three or four if, if things go your way uh, on on Friday there and Sunday, obviously. I think you feel okay about it, but you put it in the rear view mirror. You got a phenomenal freaking start from you, Darvish. You got a big moment from your captain, Anthony Rizzo. You go back home and you take care of business. So Brendan and I will talk to you after the Cubs finish up with the White Sox. I'm assuming you're already listening to this on Monday. So everybody take a breath, enjoy the off day. Uh, you know, as we head into uh, the, the, the you know late portion of June here, we're getting closer to the All Star break, closer to the trade deadline. Uh, you know, which means this se- the, you know this season quickly, rapidly, folks hits that point where you know we're really truly living and dying with every pitch of this team, especially as the Cubs and Brewers are neck and neck right now. So. Take a breath, take a beat, enjoy that off day, and let's get ready uh, for the Cubs to take care of business at Wrigley Field on this long homestand. Head out to Wrigley Field, use that SeatGeek code, and support the boys uh, until I get back in Chicago, and then I'll I'll handle it uh, myself along with you. But we will talk to you after the Cubs and White Sox finish up. As always, we thank you guys for listening to us, uh, especially when we, we go to these games. A lot of fans out in LA that reach out to us uh, and we're able to interact with and at least commiserate about going to Dodger Stadium and how miserable an experience it is. So thank you guys for reaching out. Thank you guys for interacting. And of course, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Cubs. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into the knee pain. I couldn't even sit on a motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. (laughs) Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.